Hello everyone and welcome to Mrs. G's Storytime. We are reading The Rainbow Garden by Patricia Sanjan with permission of Moody Publishing Company. And we are reading Chapter 9 in the Beech Woods. Exams were over and we woke up one rainy morning to the first day of Easter holidays. Everyone was full of outdoor plans, but an absolute downpour at breakfast time put an end to them. We all settled down to a day at home. Mrs. Owens found jobs for all the older ones, which kept us busy for some time, and the little ones tumbled about with cold water. At eleven, work was over, and we all got together for hot chocolate and cookies. Peter was making a large map of the district to hang on the back of the museum. He liked to work with it all spread out on the floor, but Lucy kept trying to stagger across it. I don't suppose one of you girls would do something with Lucy, would you, he said, lifting a flushed face from his work. Oh, look, there's a policeman coming up to our front door. I wonder what he wants. Perhaps Caldwalder has killed another hen. Quick, Caldwalder, hide. Good dog. Everyone, including Caldwalder, crowded to the window to look at the policeman. So fortunately, no one was looking at me. I had suddenly gone very white and cold and there was a strange, sick feeling inside me. Just supposing it wasn't Caldwalder, just supposing it was they had found out something and it was me they were after, just supposing Philippa had come back and noticed that her shell was missing, and Elwyn Jones had said something. I stopped supposing and slipped into the kitchen and out the back door. Whatever it was about, I felt safer out of the way. "'Where are you going without your coat, Elaine?' called Baldwin from the seal sink. But I took no notice. All the fears hidden away in my heart for nearly a week were rising in front of me. I ran up the hill as fast as my trembling little legs could carry me. I did not know where I was going, but I kept, but I kept clear of Philippa's house. I took the upper path that ran across the sheep pastures, forgetting that on the high path I could be seen from the windows of Mr. Owen's study. I had reached the level highlands above the farm, and it had stopped raining. Wherever I looked, there were hills and valleys, steep, sheep-dotted fields. To the south, I could see the purple crest of the Snowden Range of the mountains. But even in my panic, I knew that I could not reach them. I had to find a nearer hiding place than that, and I looked around figuratively. To my right was a wood where we were not allowed to go, for it was a pheasant reserve. But nothing mattered now. If the police were after me, it did not matter if I was trespassing or not. I slipped between the bars of the padlock gate, for I was a thin little girl for eleven, and I trod along the path, too out of breath to run any more. In spite of my fright, I could not help notice what a beautiful woods it was. The air was full of gentle sounds. Arched bows met overhead, and I felt almost like being in a church. I reached a little clearing in the heart of the woods where someone had made a pile of logs, and, I, and here I sat down and tried to think. If I went too far, I knew I would come out on the road again, and I didn't want to do that. The more I thought about it, the more I felt I could not go home. I would have to face the policemen and the shocked faces of Peter and Janet, who never told lies. I couldn't do that. They would think me wicked and terrible silly, silly and anyhow, what would the police do? I didn't know whether they sent children my age to prison or not, but I was sure they did something to them. And what would my mother say? And Mrs. Moody? 
I sat there on the logs for a long time, and it must have been long past dinner time, but I was not hungry. I was sitting so still in my fears that a squirrel began to play on the tree in front of me. A bright-eyed baby rabbit bounded through the bluebell leaves, and the birds darted to and fro. Everything seemed happy and busy and fearless, except me. One thing I noticed and never forgot, it was the beauty of a little clump of wood sorrel springing out of a piece of rotten bark beside me. I broke off the piece of bark and held the whole clump in my hand. And then suddenly the silence was broken by the bark of a dog and the sound of quick, steady footsteps coming through the forest. The police! I seemed to freeze with fear. Perhaps they were hunting me with bloodhounds and police dogs. I had read about that in a comic. I think I heard a little, gave a little scream, and there was a loud answering bark of joy, and Caldwater leaped through the trees and put his paws on my shoulders and started licking my face in welcome. And behind him came Mr. Owen. I looked up at him and gave a great sigh of relief and burst into tears. He sat down beside me on the log, and then he said very gently, Why did you run away, Elaine? Were you frightened by that policeman? I nodded and sniffed. But why were you afraid, Elaine? asked Mr. Owen. He only wanted to ask you a few questions. But I'll ask you instead, and then tomorrow we'll go and tell him the answers. What will he do to me, I whispered. Why, nothing, Elaine, he answered in a puzzled voice. I don't suppose you've done anything wrong. Only, only, only you see there's been a robbery in Mr. Thompson's house. And Elwin Jones said you've been playing in that garden. The police wanted to ask you whether you'd seen anybody about and whether, no, whether you'd noticed how long ago the window was forced open. Also whether you'd been in the house because there were little muddy footprints on the seal that belonged to a child. I sat still. My mind in a whirl. Was I the robbery or was there someone else as well? Who had opened the windows and searched the drawers? Not me. Or did they perhaps think it was me? Tell me about it, said Mr. Owens at last. I didn't open the window, I blurted out. Honestly, I didn't. I went in to look at the shells, and I just took one. I thought the shells didn't matter much because they're free, and you picked them up for nothing. And then they all said I was stupid, and no one wanted me wanted to go with me, and I always get left behind. I don't know anything about birds, and I thought they'd like me if I found a shell. So I said I found it on the beach, and Peter was so pleased. They'll think I'm awful now. I didn't know it belonged to Philippa. I trailed off miserably, and it was all out, and what, and what would happen now that I couldn't, I couldn't imagine, yet I felt much better. Please, please, Mr. Owen, don't make me go back to the police, I whispered. Make Mummy come and take me home. I'm so miserable, and now it would be worse. I looked up at him timidly and pleading. He was looking rather sad. You needn't be so afraid, Elaine, he said gently. The police didn't want to ask you about the shell. They didn't know anything about it, nor need they ever know about it. It was quite a big robbery. Blankets and curtains and silver and all sorts of things. It wasn't anything to do with you. They only thought you might have seen someone hanging around the house or able to explain about those, those little footprint marks. There's nothing to be frightened of at all. You and I can deal with the shell between us. There was a man, man, I murmured, once early in the morning, looking in at the window. Well, then you'll be able to help the police a lot, said Mr. Owen encouragingly. Peter will be quite jealous of you, having seen a real burglar. 
We'll go to the police station tomorrow, you and I, and you must tell them what the man looked like. That's all. Now, let's forget about that, and let's talk about the shell. You took it because you wanted to, them to think that you'd found something nice for the museum, and you said you'd found it on the beach. Yes, I whispered, and there was a little silence. Did it make you happy, asked Mr. Owen at last. I shook my head. I kept being afraid you'd find out, I said. That wasn't the only reason you were unhappy, said Mr. Owen. You were unhappy because you had stolen and told a lie. Do you remember the story we read the other night about Adam and Eve? Yes, I answered rather vaguely. They were in a beautiful garden, but I only went there to make it grow. I didn't mean to be naughty at first. There were snowdrops and it was all quiet and beautiful and the birds sang. I didn't even pick flowers. Of course not, said Mr. Owen. Mr. Thompson wouldn't have minded you playing in his garden at all. You loved it and you were happy until you took that shell, and then you were afraid. Doing wrong always comes between us and God, just as a cloud comes between us and the sun. The sun is still there, but we can't enjoy it. The cloud has blotted it out, and everything is cold and dark. And there's only one place in the world where we can find real happiness, what the Bible calls fullness of joy. I jumped at hearing the familiar words and looked up quickly. I know that verse, I whispered. Janet taught it to me. In heaven is fullness of joy. Mr. Owen laughed. Then Janet taught it to you all wrong, he replied. It's far, far better than that. It's like this. You will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. That means that anywhere in the world, here in the woods or at home in the vicarage, if you're walking along the path of life close to God, you can be perfectly happy. And doing wrong is the only thing that separates you from God. When you find out how wrongdoing can be taken away, you'll know the secret of the fullness of joy. I sat very still, for I felt I was about to make a very big discovery. I even forgot my misery for a few minutes. How, I asked. It's a long, long story, Elaine, said Mr. Owen, and it's the most beautiful story in the world. Jesus came to this earth as a human being just so he could take away all our wrongdoing, which is called sin. When he died on the cross, he was punished for it in our place. If there's something between two persons and someone comes and takes it away, what is left? Nothing, I said. Nothing between, said Mr. Owen. Just an open way for people to come to God because Jesus died. Nothing to stop you anymore. You can come right into his presence and find fullness of joy. My eyes were fixed on his face. What did that mean? And what did I have to do next? But I could not ask these questions aloud. I could only wonder. Caldwalder had laid his head on my knee and I fingered his silky ears in silence. Mr. Owen pulled out the New Testament and opened it. Do you want to hear how wrongdoings can be taken away, he asked. It's all here written down for you. I sniffed and nodded. I wanted to know so badly, but still I couldn't say anything. So I read some verses aloud slowly, verses written by an old man whose eyes had actually seen Jesus hanging on the cross. These things we write to you, that your joy may be full. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ his Son cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, 
and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And that's found in 1 John 1, verse 4, and verse 7 through 9. I love you. I'm praying for you. And we'll see you tomorrow. Bye-bye.